0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland.
1: Everybody has their own tricks for how to to clean. Well, God wants to clean us. He wants to uh, clean us not just uh, positionally with the blood of Christ, but that blood to continue to work in sanctification and clean the filth out of our lives. A lot of that cleansing has to come right there in a tongue. You know, the tongue spews out all kinds of filth and it defiles all of us. And God wants to turn us inside out, so to say, and clean the inside so that the outside will be clean also. The tongue stains the whole body, not just one spot.
0: Laundry seems like a never-ending chore. As quickly as you get your clothes cleaned and put away, there's more dirty stuff waiting to be washed. Well, in today's edition of Discover Hope, Pastor Tom shares the same is true for your tongue. Your word's constantly making all kinds of messes in your life, especially in your relationships with God and others. Pastor Tom will walk you through some of the different ways your tongue can cause problems and where those problems stem from. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 3 as he continues his message, Wielding Your Tongue for Good or for Ill.
1: Well, our proposition, our main point in this uh, series has been how we wield our tongues will affect others, either for good or for ill. This passage is showing us that there are four indications of the power of the tongue and we've been through some of them already. The first one uh, from our part one in the series was that only a perfect man can perfectly bridle his tongue. That's what verse two said. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's that perfect man, fully mature, able to bridle the whole body as well. You can handle the tongue, you can handle anything else. Guess that's the good news. The bad news is we we can't handle the tongue, uh, but that just shows the power of this tongue. The second one we were covering last time is that this little organ in our body, this little tongue inside of our mouths, man, it can do a lot, and it boasts great things, and it's not an empty boast. We talked about all the influence the tongue has, all the damage it can do, all the good it can do. This little tongue. Through history, church history, human history, even now in our own lives with our children, our grandchildren, it has great, great power, and um, though it is little, it accomplishes great things. Third is, and I think we started this last time, the tongue also can destroy, and that was seen in verses 5 and 6, kind of where we left off. The tongue is described, unfortunately, here as a fire, and the image of the forest fire with its destructiveness and you have to think spiritually the words that come out and they destroy lives and it spreads and damages and that's sort of the picture there. And this is not just for the teacher in a church setting. This is not just for leaders in uh, you know, a city or a state or a country. This is for your tongue as well. It can also spread and it can damage. And that is something we need to realize that once we let it out, that's like a spark that comes out. It can burn and can damage. Well, last, last time we left off in verse 6 where the tongue was said to be the very world of iniquity. A strange way of talking of the tongue. The tongue is the world of iniquity. All that adikios, that unrighteousness that is found in the world, finds expression from our tongues. In other words, you can go into the whole system of the unbelieving world, the cosmos, you can hear all their different kinds of unrighteousness that they, they practice and do, and then unfortunately, the tongue then gives expression to every manifestation of that. The whole world of iniquity finds its home an expression and avenue through the tongue. That's a, that's not a very flattering picture of the tongue, is it? I mean, what the tongue can do, that, that's pretty amazing. So if there's injustice, that comes out of the tongue. You hear it all the time. People are jumping to judgments about other people, whether it's in Political arena, or just they hear this much of something and they conclude this much of it. And uh, people want in their in their own selves to be knowledgeable and to give great answers to things. And they speak too quickly and they 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 judge things incorrectly. And we we kind of get into that sometimes too. We say we act like we know more than we do, and we say things that we shouldn't say. And um, then there's falsehoods, and there's all kinds of falsehoods. It's not just the you know, the direct lying where some, some fact is directly denied. We do that also, but there's exaggerations, there's blame shifting, there's other kinds of falsehood. Of course, there's immorality, sexual immorality, the lewd things that come out of the mouth. There's hatred towards other people, nice things that are said to the face and behind the back, uh, you know, bad things are said. How is that said that gossip is saying to someone behind their back what you would never say to their face and flattery is saying to their face what you would never say behind their back, right? So both of those are wrong with the tongue. Well, today we come to the middle of verse 6 and it says here that the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles our whole body. Again, not a flattering picture of the tongue. This just continues the awful descriptions. Notice how it's worded, though, set among our members. That's a little reference to God designing and creating the human body, and the tongue was part of that design, placed right there in parts of our body. God designed the way this would work. The human body was crafted. God's very creative, He's creative God, and He did the creating, and it uh, is a component of uh, our, our, our lives, the tongue and the other members of our body. They are actually alive, and they are... Um, active and they were designed by God to do something. The Apostle Paul, of course, in his writings likes to use the analogy of the human body for the church, the body of Christ. Some have suggested that James is subtly talking about that and the tongue represents the teacher set among the body of Christ. That is not the context in James. Whenever you're interpreting and you hear someone being a little bit too creative, and they're not sticking with a context that may show that they're creative, but it doesn't show that they're good interpreters of the Bible. James is speaking literally of the physical body here, and he wants us to grasp what spiritually happens from the tongue as it works its effect. The tongue here is said to defile the whole body. So you have this one member, and it messes up the whole body. You have a lot of members in your body, and the tongue is able to defile all of them. You say, how is that? Because it brings out all the ugliness of character that then, of course, spreads over the whole person and is said to be for the whole person and therefore defiles all the members. Of course, that's not how God made it. That's how man corrupted it, and that's how it now is. God made the body, the tongue, mankind good, but we have corrupted ourselves. Now, defiles is a rather strong word Defiles is language of corruption, uh, it's language of pollution, sometimes it could be translated to stain or defile, the the Greek word is spilos, The, the term is also used in the letter of Jude, there's only one chapter there, verse 23, where it says, as you outreach to people, hate even the garment that would be polluted, that's spilos, by the flesh. So we don't want to be polluted, we don't want to be corrupted, but the tongue does that. So the tongue is is able to and does pollute all of us. It corrupts us. It soils the rest of us, so to say. You ladies clean a lot of the garments for your family, and uh, maybe you have to clean stains from uh, you know your your son who's stained the jeans in the backyard, or your husband who has a sweaty garment. You're trying to figure out how to get that clean, and you try to try to soak it. You try to do different things to it. Different different people have different cleansers they like. We talked to a sales lady at uh, Eddie Bauer, and she said she always turns her garments inside out so it wears more on the inside and cleans the sweat on the inside and doesn't wear the outside as much. I don't know if that works or not, but everybody has their own tricks for how to, how to clean. Well, God wants to clean us. He wants to uh, clean us not just uh, positionally with the blood of Christ, but that blood to continue to work in sanctification and clean the filth out of our lives. And a lot of that cleansing has to come right there in a the tongue. You know, the tongue spews out all kinds of filth and that defiles all of us. And God wants to turn us inside out, so to say, and clean the inside so that the outside will be clean also. The tongue stains the whole body, not just one spot. It doesn't just dirty itself. It it dirties the character of the whole person. The tongue makes our entire reputation be polluted and bad. You know, we, we can have gracious words in some settings and we... We have a nice first impression, but as people get to know us more, we're like, man, that's kind of a rough tongue that person has. And there it is. The whole character of the person has been, has been polluted. Now, we know from other scripture, and I want to bring this in here, though James is not mentioning it here, that the real corruption of a human being doesn't start in the tongue. It starts where? starts on the inside, in the heart, we could also say the mind, for the heart, unlike we use it in English, cardia in Greek, it refers to the thinking aspect, the meditating aspect of the human being. It also includes the will and the emotions, it's just the center of the human being. And so that's where it really starts, the center of a human being is not good. Sometimes there are philosophies and religions that, that teach that mankind is basically good, and then there's some that, you know, really get bad. But the Scripture teaches that we're all bad, and there's some that get worse because God is comparing us from His holy standard. So men down here like to compliment one another, like, He has a good heart. Nobody has a good heart. they had a good heart, they wouldn't need to be saved by Jesus Christ. So Christianity, you could tell it's a supernatural message and that it's the truth because it goes out slapping everybody in the face saying, You're not a good person. Now, if they end up believing that message, you know that we're not flattering them like the other religions do, right? That's one of the apologetics for Christianity is we go out and what's your message? You're a bad person. Well, who's going to listen to that? You're a bad person heading for judgment. Who's going to listen to that? You're a bad person and can't save yourself and you're heading for judgment. That's even worse. If you have any other message, you have a false message. You don't understand Christianity. There's a lot of people that take Christianity and twist it and something like you're good and I'll teach you how to have some nice ethics, that's not Christianity. You're corrupt in the heart. Your heart's corrupt. Now, James is going to get to that. In James 3.14, you want to maybe have your eyes glance down a page there and he says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your, and there he doesn't say tongue, although you say he could have, but he says in your what? Your cardia. If you have that, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. James 4.8, if you want to look a little further, says draw near to God and He will draw near to you. By the way, if you're wondering why God doesn't feel close to you, it's because you're not drawing near to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. There's responsibility in your own sanctification. You can't just wait for God to wash the hands. You have to get busy with that. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. By the way, notice the offense again of Christianity. You sinners, that's all of us. And purify your what? Hearts, you double-minded. Slap, slap. If you keep listening, that's because you want the truth, right? So evil words taint the entire person from head to toe. Disgusting, wicked talk purifies your whole person. You know, there's the proverb that says, like a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a beautiful woman who what? Lacks discretion. Sometimes a man sees a beautiful woman walk in the room. He's like, look at that beautiful woman. Then he hears her start to talk, and you're like, that doesn't fit. That is ugly. And the opinion changes. It's good. That's good. Your opinion should change. You know, and by the way, that's why Isaiah said when he was confronted with God's holiness, and I always wondered about this passage. You know, he sees God in his holiness, and he says, woe is me. Now, I get that part. But then he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I wasn't sure the first thing I would think about that was unclean when I looked at God as I'd be worried about my lips. I'm thinking about all my motives and everything about me. And Isaiah sees God and his, his gut reaction is, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. He must have been hearing a lot of stuff. Well, that's because the lips tell you a lot about who you are. The lips are the amplifier for the heart. So if the heart's trying to talk and it can't, the heart can't talk. The <laughs> heart really can't say anything. So then the lips take over and the lips say, this is what the heart says. And now you know there's a connection there. Well, words tell you what a person's character is like. Now, I know there's great liars. Even the passage today from Proverbs talked about how skilled people can be in lying. But when, when the words reflect the heart, and they will eventually when the cameras turn off, you know, and there's no accountability, they'll be there. But when the words are really what a person thinks, then you know what they're like. Let me just throw these out to you and see what you think of these people. So here's, here's a person. What do you think of their character based on their words? Rehoboam, king of Judah, First Kings chapter 12. The king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders. All you young people, listen to your elders. Which they had given him, and he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men. Don't surround yourself with young men. Saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. Yeah. What do you think of a man like that? You think like he's got an ego problem, doesn't he? He's trying to demand respect rather than being respectful in kind and loving ways, right? Right? You see how his words kind of told everybody in the whole nation. Well, now we know what Rehoboam the king is like. And by the way, it split the kingdom. When you hear about the united kingdom and the divided kingdom, it's the words that came out of his mouth right then and there to split the kingdom. And that lasted all the way into the exile, right? And beyond. How about this guy, a guy named Lamech? There's two Lamechs in the Old Testament. One's good, one's bad. I'm, I'm giving you the bad one. He said to his wives, that's right, plural, wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech. Now, who calls people their wives of himself, you know? <laughs> you wife of Tom, you know? <laughs> this, guy's got, this guy's got a big head, you know? You wives of Lamech, give heed to my speech, for I've killed a man for wounding me and a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech 70 fold you know a guy's got a problem he's talking about himself in the third person all the time. This is Mount Pompas, this guy here, right? Bad enough to be the first man in recorded history to take two wives, now he wants to foment all of that arrogant status. Another guy, Diotrephes, 3 John, verse 10. John's writing about him. For this reason, if I come... This guy better be worried because an apostle is going to come. An apostle has supernatural power. If I come, that means come to the church, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. So he's slandering, he's violating the spirit of humility in church, he's all using his authority for his own gain. Proverbs 7.5 informs us that the adulterous woman, her lips are like flattery. So here she is, she does herself up all pretty and everything, and then the words add to the seductiveness, along, I imagine, with the eyes, which are mentioned in other Proverbs. And uh, her words kind of define her, what she's trying to get, you know, what she's she's trying to achieve. Sometimes a man emerges in, in church, That would be something like this description next from 1 Timothy chapter 6. He is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions. In other words, nothing good. Words coming out of his mouth cause Divisiveness because they're all about himself and things that he wants to argue about. We've had some experience with that now in this church, have we not? Consider, too, the lofty words of the Antichrist. I mean, what's what's the Antichrist going to be like? Well, we kind of know. Revelation 13, 6. We don't know his name, but we know when he emerges what he's going to sound like. Ah, sounds like the Antichrist. Some people sound like the Antichrist before the Antichrist comes. Here's his words. It says, he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God, there it is, blasphemies against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle, there he goes, They just that's what he wants to do, blaspheme God. So you see it defiles the whole person is the point, character is defined by what comes out of your mouth, you know, uh, concerning evil speech in the good old days, mommy used to take little Johnny aside when he said the wrong word that he learned, of course, from the neighbor and wash his mouth out with soap. Remember that? Taught him a lesson, you know, as he tasted all that in there. There's a reason why the F word is called, even by the secular media, a bomb, the F bomb. There's a reason for that. It blows stuff up, you know, And by the way, using those kinds of words is not soldier talk. correct definition is dirty talk. Soldiers don't need to speak that way. And I think, what are the influences that tempt you? Are there some video games that have, you know, bad language? Well, if they do, are they tempting you? Are you listening to them constantly as you play the game? If they are, you need to put it away. What about sports shows? Some of the the broadcasting of crass humor can kind of get into your thinking. What are you listening to? What about your songs? They have a powerful effect. If they have unholy lyrics and you're listening and chanting them and doing all of that, what are you doing? What are you doing in your heart and mind? Because then you'll, you'll see they'll start coming out of your mouth, and you'll be surprised what comes out. So if you're really serious about following your mouth around, start with the songs and the video games and the movies, and what are you listening to and what are you hearing? Start with that, because it has influence. There's even some preachers that have advanced this notion that if they want to relate to people today, particularly if the kind of community that they're in is kind of a rough community, that they need to kind of take up the language of that community and therefore connect with them. And so they'll, they'll get a little bit of a potty mouth from the pulpit and try to, you know, be uh, edgy or whatever it is. And uh, I guess they think in their mind that they're, they're connecting. And I would say yeah, they probably are connecting, but, you know, not in the right way. <laughs> if you want to be relevant, if we as believers in a church want to be relevant, which is the big word these days in ministry, we want to be relevant for the folks out there, then we need to be very different from them. Otherwise, what do they need us for? they got enough of those kind already out there. You're never going to be exactly like them anyways. It's going to be awkward for you trying to be like them. You know, you're going to try and you're not really going to do it all that well and they're going to know it. And then you're going to lose your witness. The church will lose its witness. So if you want to be relevant, be different. Because then they'll look at you sideways and this way and be like, what? What is that? I can't figure that out. I don't have friends like that. And they'll want to listen. Same thing with a preacher. It's Christ-like holiness that will lead them to salvation, not you trying to talk like them. Now notice the next destroying image of the tongue. It is that it sets on fire the course of our life. Again, if we, we had a bad description of the tongue, it just keeps descending, you know? It just, he doesn't let up. It just keeps getting worse. The course of our life is a very interesting and debatable expression. I can't really get into all of the, the background and debate about that, and there's quite a bit. It most likely refers to our way of life or course of life from our birth onward. In other words, as life rolls on from birth all the way through death, we pass through all the phases of life. Guess what we bring along with us all the way through life? Is our tongue. None of you've cut it out yet, have you? You know. So it's still in there and you still have your tongue. Vast majority of us. And when you're a kid, you had your tongue. And you know when you were a teen, you had your tongue. And when you were a young man or young lady, you had your tongue. And now if you have gray hair and stuff, you still have your tongue. So you still got to deal with it and it, and it sets on fire the whole course of life is the idea. It even has possibly the idea of of going out and touching everyone else around you, like not just your life, but it sets on fire all of those that are around you as well. You know the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, I think words can actually burn, can really hurt a lot. The tongue has more impact than you think. And when I say the tongue, I mean your tongue. Because I think sometimes we listen and we think of other people who are of influence. I've said this before, or other people who have hurt us. But I want you focusing on your tongue. I'm trying to do the same with mine. The tongue has it has influence, and it, it really can hurt people. And, and, and to think about it, just think about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you have that kind of history, 20 years ago, that thing that that person said to you that really, really hurt your feelings. Do you remember what it was? Huh? Do you remember? Do you remember? Because you remember, you can't, you can't hardly erase it from you. You know who it is. You know where it was. You could probably tell the time of day, you know, what you were wearing. It really hurt and it stuck. You know exactly what it was. And they got you. And you still have it in there. And you say, Pastor Lee, why are you bringing up sore memories? Because it's still in there and that's the damage that it did, you know? By the way, good advice for that came from a New York lady once, remember her telling me this in her very confident way. She says, I never let anybody rent space in my head. That's one you got to think about a little bit, you know. But we let people rent space in our head and just keep talking and talking and talking. It's like, get out of there. You know? What are you doing in my head? But we let people do that. And it messes us up. But you don't have to let them in there. You can evict them. You know, and That's what you need to do, you need to evict them. Some pretty good advice.
0: Whoever said sticks can hurt you but your words can't must not be around many people. Words can be so hurtful. We've all experienced this at some point. You can probably remember specific times when someone said something hurtful and that has stuck with you for a long time. Today, Pastor Tom went through some specifics about how and why our tongues cause so much damage, making it clear once again that on our own, we can't control them. With sad yet hope-filled hearts, we want to let you know that Pastor Tom Lee, the voice you've been listening to today, has gone home to be with Jesus. Pastor Tom served the Lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years, pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the mid-Atlantic region. He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. Come back again next time when Pastor Tom will invite you to continue looking at the damage our tongues can do. He'll point out that people have learned to train all kinds of different animals, from dolphins to parrots to tigers, but we still haven't figured out how to keep our tongues in check all the time. Only Jesus was able to do that. Controlling your mouth isn't something that you can do on your own. It's just not possible. To listen again to today's message in the book of James, visit HopeBibleChurch.org and look under the Sermons tab. Pastor Tom will return soon with another in-depth study of God's Word, so join us again right here on Discover Hope.